Hello and welcome to the Alternative Path with me, David Robson. I'm really excited to introduce you to a guy this week called Shiraz Khan. Now, Shiraz, uh, I came across on LinkedIn, um, had a kind of really good conversation with him. Another person that I spoke to has spent some time in the Middle East. So that was a really kind of interest for me, having been there myself. But, you know, there's, there's a few things that I'm going to talk to Shiraz about today that I think are, are really kind of inspiring for how he is now... Um, how it's now helped him in his job as a head teacher and kind of things that he feels are important around um, every child getting getting a, a great education. So Shiraz is a head teacher of a primary school in, in Brent Council. Shiraz, great to have you on. Um, really interested to sort of get into some detail, but just start by giving us a bit of an intro about who you are and where you're from. Yeah, thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be on here. Um, so I am a head teacher now. Um, I have the blessing or the curse of being the son of a teacher. So uh, there was no escape for me from quite a young age. Um, I was uh, uh, very much uh, at the forefront of everything that my dad did. My dad was a um, what you'd now call an intervention teacher, but works in primary and specialised working for what was ILIA, which was independent uh, in a London. Edu uh, educational authority and he specialized in um, what was then the sort of school psychological services so um, myself I, I was quite lucky I went to private school um, had a good education and then um, once I did my PGCE 20 years old now um, decided to um, go into primary education taught for a couple of years but left because didn't really feel like I had life experience and wanted to teach for more than just a textbook. Um, long story short, um, settled down, had children, and it was really my why. I'm a big Simon and Senate fan, so my why and my purpose came very much to the fore when uh, my second child was born, who had a liver defect and um, spent a lot of time out of, out of uh, in hospital, but then out of school for the first two or three years of her life. And her education so that's when the inclusion really kind of came to the forefront of my career and my practice and um, kind of using her experiences as yardstick to kind of then have that wider impact in my role so um, I've been quite fortunate I've worked across some of the large mats and the local authorities I've worked in small schools from two form to five form entry so I've had that opportunity to look at inclusion in probably the most impoverished part of uh, um, of the London boroughs and obviously now I'm in London so you've got the, the fine balance of disadvantage as well as the inclusive um, aspect of uh, AEN and what that impact is on children so where I am at the moment I took over in September and um, we we have uh, what you call um, your EHC sort of children of around about uh, 11 out of 420, but it's the middle group, which are the ones who are uh, around about 70 or 80 in number, which is growing every year, um, just varying kind of needs and, and difficulties that they're experiencing in the learning, which can't always be accessed or through, through the normal um, sort of diagnosis, if you like. Yeah, I think um, going back to something you said at the beginning there, having... Um, also keen follower of some of Simon Sinek's stuff and 
understanding your why is so important is it well, no matter no matter who who you are or what your job role i think it's like really knowing and fi- knowing or finding whatever it might be what your why is is life change it sounds dr- like dramatic but it's, it's life changing isn't it once that kind of kicks in and it kind of becomes clear it can really it's so powerful isn't it to, to have that why so like sounds like i think you've obviously worked in some really interesting schools you've covered a real range of of settings and i think one of the massive advantages of that is you will have seen so many different types of people with so many different types of needs so many different types of different types of learning that is needed for all these type of pupils and then just want to go into your um before we go into your why i just want to go into something with you that i've spoken to a few few head teachers recently and a few other different people and there's um been a lot of kind of conversation that's always always comes up about within teacher training whether there should be more more work done around experience in different different types of sen you know whether it's a term to experience it or what have you, what's your thoughts on that as a, obviously you've experienced a real broad range of schools working in different areas in london but what, what would your kind of thoughts be on on that about getting a bit more kind of a bit more learning for teachers going through training around different types of sen i think um i think this is this is the ideal time um to talk about some kind of uh reformation of training i know that they've um there's plans to move the nqt year to a to a two-year period now um but essentially i think there's there's obviously the teaching standards which is a lot of core of the of the uh, the training year but the specialisms and i think this is this is really an interesting conversation on it comes down to the individual and the teacher and if you have a, a drive or a passion or a need or you'll seek that out but actually it should be inverse it should be actually that there's um, opportunities for you to try different um areas of uh, specialisms, different um, maybe assignments or different uh, expertise. I mean, if you look at most professional careers, things like, for example, my sister's a pharmacist, she has to do some amount of CPD every year to be up with regulations. And just, you know, that's, that's her just being able to um, dispense drugs. So for teachers, there should be some sort of audit understanding or support because the level of need is growing nationally and um, what we have is very different approaches and strategies so what there should be is definitely um, uh, some sort of forum where irrespective of your school or your background there is a, not just a module which is tokenary but some kind of practice that involves teachers engaging especially newly qualified teachers in certain practice with um, could be the children in the class in their school but there must be some sort of professional development around it not just oh, I've turned up and I've got a certificate but actually something purposeful impactful something to deal with data and progress one of the things that we've done in my current setting is we, we're using case studies and we're tracking children throughout the year and we're looking at the impacts of teacher-led um, interventions and TA-led interventions. There's 
as you know, there's, there's models of hours given, funding given. Really, we want everybody to, to be moving at a pace that they can move at, but have that support from the teachers. And it always does come down to quality first teaching. It's very easy to just put everything on the same kind of shoulders. But actually, everybody, every, every teacher in every classroom has a responsibility to those children. So I think it's, I think it's really important. It's just when does that opportunity come when you're, and again, this is something that's happening now in the pandemic. Everyone's looking at the disadvantaged children. Everyone's looking at the children who, who are, the gap will get wider for because of the fact they don't have the provision that they need. And I do, um, I do kind of, one of the, one of the things that really, I suppose, concerns me as a, as a parent, but also like in society, and then also through through my job, is um, you know, home learning and stuff is is great if a family's all set up to do it and it's all ticking along nicely. Internet's internet's a bit yeah. unstable. You know, we said at the beginning of this, either mine or yours today isn't isn't quite a hundred percent. So you know, but you know, there's there's families out there that, that just don't have that. And I think my, my concern for this is number one, like the absolute bubbling cauldron of mental health in young people and adults through throughout this whole pandemic and beyond. And then with that, then the gaps of the gaps of deprivation, which then creates its own problems, but also the gaps in the gaps in learning because of, you know, for how much some pupils have been, kind of left behind as you like and then will that then is there like this time next year is there going to be an absolute frightening amount of young people who dare i say at schools are looking at as if they're not really suitable for their schools anymore and looking to move them on to an alternative provision or or a special school you know that's something that you know from talking to heads of mainstream and sen and alternative provision it, it's something that i've I think some real should there should be alarm bells ringing to just just be aware of things like that. And it's the same with adults, isn't it? I think people's mental health after this is is going to be fairly damaged. But um, yeah, I'm a I'm a massive a massive advocate for believing that more teachers should become qualified with having more more experience in in SEN. But something I really want to go into now and it's real uh, a real interest to me is, is about that why for you I think it's so it's so inspiring to understand people's drivers and passions and their what makes them really want to get up to make a difference to make sure and in your case to make sure every young person in your school gets gets the same education so just give us a bit of uh, if you don't mind give us a bit of background about about your why yeah uh, so um is it is something which i think it evolves over time and you get more clarity on it i mean definitely started with my personal circumstances of you know seeing my daughter in hospital from from two months old till she was three and then you know the provision that was given to her was even in hospital there was still some education available to her whether it was play or there was a ward where there were some teachers and they were just, you know, just, just some form of engagement. But for her, it was, she had no concept of, of school or, or so even going to nursery and kindergarten. So it was quite, 
it was quite interesting because um, when she started school, obviously with her condition being immunosuppressed, it meant that she would be off for two, three weeks at a time if someone had a cold or a flu or she catch something quite easily. So the, the, the immediate concern was, okay, so how do we support her? And obviously as a teacher, you, you think you can support your own children are the hardest to support. So you naturally turn to, you know, the other teachers and say, look, you know, what can we do to help and so on and so forth. But during this, it just helped me understand actually the, the fragility of, of uh, hundreds of thousands of children like her, how their education is very much shaped by the experience of their teacher, how, what their um, year or their term is like, and what, what actually is their impression of school? Because my daughter at the beginning, reception year one, she was hardly there, and she didn't really understand school. She found it very hard to go to school. But year two, it just started to change. And then from year three, year four onwards, she's become much more empowered in understanding her circumstances. But along the way, as a parent for me, I just want her to be healthy and happy. And the other side is, is what her life opportunities to be. And you mentioned the pandemic and um, mental health and the way people um, you know, whether the children or adults will, will view themselves and feel themselves. We live in a society that does benchmark people by, you know, what do we know, what job you have, you know, all of these very sort of tangible things which are now becoming more and more difficult to, to understand because mental health is something that's linked to your own view of yourself, your own view of your, uh, um, your abilities and your achievements and so forth. But then that's to very much displaced now in as you said we're now in a position where we've got two years two year groups now last year and this year who are going to be at a disadvantage already so they're now playing catch up of catch up so where that leaves us is is that at least in a position where we're thinking to ourselves how can we level the playing field this is where when it comes to my why it comes as purpose everything I try and do as a practitioner, as a leader, is what is the purpose? What is the, what is the point in doing this? Because we can always occupy ourselves with lots of things, but for me, it's just purpose. And for me, I always want to make sure that the inclusivity angle, the angle that everybody can access, and then there's challenge for everybody. So whatever the task is, whatever the activity is, whatever the learning is, there's a common goal and then from there everybody can then take of it take off it what they will and do the best they can with it. So when I when I was in my middle leadership became to senior leadership, when I came across Simon Senec and um, why, it just all of a sudden it was a light bulb moment. Because the thing the thing about teaching is you can be busy with so much paperwork and bureaucracy and box ticking and, and doing all of these things actually you forget it's the children it's those 30 children they're not data points it's how they're going to transition to the career so you know when you talk about why i think for me it took me a while to unpick it but once it did it just became something that just became part of my everyday thinking and everyday uh, reflection yeah i think um 
Yeah, I, I agree with kind of everything you've just just said then, and I can. It's really interesting. Something that's since talking to different people on this podcast, you know, there was um, in when starting our business, I had a kind of, and I've just mentioned this because of the kind of light bulb moment you just you just talked about. I had some like three avenues within special stroke alternative provision that I wanted to kind of go towards for us to make a business. Since talking to different head teachers and talking to different people, one of those areas, there was, I think, I can't remember who it was I was talking to, but it was a light bulb moment. And actually me suddenly realizing that actually I don't really agree with what that is. So I can't really kind of give it everything and I've, I, I can't I'm, I'm I really struggle to be 100% committed to things if I don't believe in it so there's that, that area of the business which would have been a great bit of the business I, I just can't really get my head into so it's now going to kind of just be be pushed aside and that was like you just said I was listening to someone it was just a light bulb moment that just made me made me twig of things and it's so powerful when things like that happen isn't it when you're just like you say you listen to something Simon Sinek was saying and it obviously helped you kind of have that light bulb moment. Um, it's authenticity, I mean. isn't it? It's because ultimately you can't be what you're not. You have to be true to yourself and your values and your beliefs and what you're talking about, what I'm talking about is the same thing. You have to, um, you, you'll get found out. Mm -hmm. So you have to be true to what you are and lead by your principles. Mm. And I think so many, so many people, you know, COVID, there's so many negatives to talk about the last 10 months, however long, almost a year now, isn't it? You know, there's so many, but there's also yeah. some there's also some positives and I'm a massive fan of, of looking at those and like talking personally and the more people I talk to, it certainly made me like, made me stop and think about what was important to me and what, what am I doing? Where am I going? And I speak to so many people who, who are the same, but going on to, um, talk a bit there's so much stuff online isn't there at the minute about this is the time to kind of really make some changes around education this is like so many people screaming about it there's every head teacher i talk to is saying the same sort of thing and i can kind of almost on our internet's not bad, but i can almost see the kind of smile in your face about when i've mentioned that they're kind of the tweaks and not a complete I don't think it needs a complete reform, but I'm not a, an education professional. I don't think it needs a complete reform, but I do think it's the perfect opportunity to just make some changes. Like, and I, I hope this is a real open question. And it kind of really gets something <laughs> going. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think we know some of the people who are at the uh, forefront of the social, social sort of media um, change on LinkedIn and so forth. And, um, it, is, it is a really interesting time to be um, in education and it's, um, it's one of these probably pivotal moments because there's a real opportunity to just stop and just evaluate what is happening because what was supposed to be last year is now this year, could be next year. These are seismic um, aftershocks and these are going to have impacts on children from the ages of three to 18 so you look at this and you just think to yourself it's going to be a fun effect so why not now just stop 
and stop not sort of doing what we're doing but just evaluate where we are and kind of look at what is happening because there's maybe being assigned all sorts of things and of course the priorities are on you know people's livelihoods to, to live and to be able to sustain themselves and and as a society but then equally we are thinking of always the next generation and the generation of our children and and what follows will be where the impact is and this is an opportunity to have a conversation with the right people so the people who are qualified i mean people who are sitting in positions um, that befit them so you know whether they're previous head teachers or officer inspectors whoever they are they understand the nuances of running a school and not making policy that just sits somewhere but actually is impactful and serves a purpose and if you're looking at it from <clears throat> the inclusion point of view just treat it that everybody right now has a need because they've lost an element of learning like you said there's going to be families here who are fine we've got we've got the wi-fi we've got their laptops their tablets they're going to go along and they're going to be fine but it's the rest of the the rest of the people the rest of the children how do we stop that um gap widening and i think for me i think it comes down to some joined up thinking i think it just we, we we we've already understood the assessments are happening so using this time for remote learning to be something that is not just as we were talking about before different schools have different things some some schools are logging on once a day some schools are doing two three hours a day but what is the is the purpose what's the benefit nobody knows we've just been told by the DfE do it and try to do your best with it and given some outlines as to what we think would be the practice but we've still got this time so we should be thinking about how can we affect change that is going to help everybody to somehow realign, realign those boundaries. So whether it's changing assessment frames or looking at different curriculum or devoting time to catch up, whatever it is, there needs to be a wider conversation. I mean, this is way above my pay grade, but you know, I, I'm quite idealistic in that I think, I always think of the positive um, and the more glass half full um, scenario so for me i'm trying to use this time to work with my teachers and my pupils to to give them the provision that sadly they can't always get but because they're in school at the moment um getting something they wouldn't normally get which itself is a quite a sad indictment of where we are at the moment mm, i think um something i um something i noticed in in september time um and i was talking to a uh, HR manager about this the other day in September time when we put job adverts out for teachers teaching assistants whatever it might be there were so many people from outside of education who were degree educated like qualified in various things who had suddenly lost things because of COVID and thought what can I work in and and NHS and education at the time and still should be and is should be seen as absolute heroes for what people have done over the last 10 months and beyond suddenly kind of thought you know what i want to go and work in education and, and i really noticed the the influx in that unfortunately i do think with how things have kind of carried on from september to january not from school's point of view but from 
the powers above, I think that's probably stops that a little bit. And I think it's, I think it would be a really good time to make the education sector stand out even more for like how, how great it is, you know, how much of a, how much of a difference you can make on a, a young person's life, how much of a change you can make on a group of people. And there's, I generally, generally feel like we're at a really, at a time when if, if the sector was looked after a bit better, that's probably the, the most politically correct way I can put it. If the sector was looked after a bit better, I really do think that there would be a real interest of people wanting to come into it because of how, you know, how many people thought they worked for a, a national company that was really stable and was a, had really good career prospects. Mm. A week, a week trading drops out the window and they're laying people off because it's so, so fragile. And, you know, that's something I, I really noticed in September. So I would love, like, I would love that to be seen, this to be seen as an opportunity because the sector's so short of teachers, isn't it? And TAs and, and staff is so short that, again, I just think this is a really good opportunity to make the sector stand out and, and shine. I think, I think you've got a really good point there because um, recruitment and retention has always been an issue in the last five years. And it's been quite well reported that number of teachers leaving because of workload, well-being, stress, all of these things. And um, quite rightly, during this pandemic, people have been laid off and all sorts of things have happened. And this is an interesting dynamic because, as we said, I've been in the Middle East and I've been in other countries, and teachers are heralded and held in such great respect and positions of, um, you know, real... Um, um, I, I, not like an allure, but you know the fact that they are their knowledge, they're educators, and they they they're, they're trusted to give knowledge to to their children. And quite sad because in this country, the reputation of a teacher is quite is quite. I think it's improved in the last maybe two years, but it is not the it's not the vocation or the job of choice. People, you know, the standard cliche is oh why are you a teacher because for holidays the reality is you don't really get a holiday until the summer and um you know all of those kind of things that come with it so you're right this is a time when people could actually there's a chance to change the viewpoint of, of the teaching profession and encourage more people into it because as you said some people might find security from it some some other other sort of um benefits to it but it is something which it's quite sad that it's not um, World Teachers Day, for example. It's something that's celebrated across the world. <laughs> you don't really hear about it here. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that's celebrated. But, you know, what teachers are are modern teachers. I mean, they're, they're like social care workers. They're, you know, the detectives, when they're sorting out, you know, who stole the ball or who stole this pen or so what's gone missing here. And there's just so many facets to the job. It's not just teaching, you know, one minute you're a nurse because someone's hurt their finger, the next minute you're a social worker because you're sorting out, you know, is that going on between siblings? And, it, you know, it's so, it's so dynamic and it's, it's not um, really portrayed uh, correctly because when you are a teacher, you, you encompass so many roles and it is really rewarding. It really is. Um, but 
I think it just need, it kind of needs like a revamp. And just what you're saying there about um, com uh, you know companies laying off people and stuff. I have this kind of um, thought process that some of the companies that are run by like, um, Bill Gates and and um, Facebook and all these kind of companies, a lot of these entrepreneurs were not people who finished their education. Yeah. I have a best interest in education now because they need, um, they're going to need employees that can be able to work in this new environment. And the, 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 the job landscape has changed now. You know, the job landscape has changed so much that it's not about getting A's and B's and going here and going there to university. It's being able to code, it's being able to be um, soft skills communicators, whether you're selling a product on YouTube or whatever it is. So the, you know, I think there's, when I talk about reform, there's a real opportunity to bring in some of those big players into the conversation, because I think there's a real disconnect between what's happening educationally, and then you get a degree and then you go to the workplace and what can you, what, what is there for you? You might end up, I know people who've got degrees who are doing something completely different to what, what, what their field is. So there has to be kind of joint up thinking in that. And, and that's where inclusivity comes in, because my own example of my, of my brother was never very academic, but he was really good with uh, technology. And he did an apprenticeship and became an aircraft engineer. And now, previous to this, flew around the world fixing airplanes. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a very qualified job to do. So, but he wasn't great academically. So, yeah. you know, it's finding that way of how do you, how do you, get to that career path that you want and what's available to you you can't be what you can't see yeah and i think um goes similar back on to um about what you said when i mentioned about the part of a business that i would have i decided to let go a little bit because it, i didn't believe in it and it's it's about that getting found out and i think flipping it earlier on in life i think everybody everybody's got a talent everybody's got a gift some people find that talent and gift in key stage one some people don't find that talent until they've had three or four jobs left school at 15 and then they find what they're mm. what they're good at and i mm. think like you said how many of the how many of the biggest companies in the world microsoft amazon uh, apple all those how many virgin how you've gone forever how many of those leaders didn't necessarily do the best academically but are, are incredible creators they can they can get ideas and run with it. They don't have a fear of failure because, you know, how many yeah. then really academic people probably overanalyze things and don't do something because of a, a fear of failure. Whereas, you know, I'm not saying that's always the case because it's, it's not, but there's a kind of, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people who have got ADHD, for example, and naturally some a lot of the time someone with ADHD can be very creative and very like gets an idea and, and runs with it and the world needs people like that doesn't it and it, it's about I suppose how yeah. as as schools how can how can a, a kind of how can a modern day school adjust to ensuring that they're doing their absolute best to try and find every single pupil's hidden talent um, and I guess that um, a lot of that is down to kind of, I don't know, maybe there's a, um, I think Gavin McCormick does a, 
quite a lot of talking on. It does, yeah. And I watch a lot of her stuff, and it fascinates me. This like the idea around letting the letting the pupils almost do the teaching, and then you just. I think you described something the other day as having lots of plates plate spinning and then as your pupils and once you see one of them stop spinning you just go and re-spin re them and I know every school can't do that because you have to follow a, a certain certain path but I'm a, I'm a massive believer that everyone has got a gift and some unfortunately some people go through their whole education don't they without that gift being found um, what do you think yeah, I, could... think, I, I think I think you're right because we've become all about putting square pegs in round holes and you know expectations of um of, of the way things should be but really we should be more open and i think the culture the culture has to change so that and it comes from you know the class teacher and then the, the leadership as well which is understanding the why of what is happening i mean i have children in my school extraordinary challenges i mean some non-verbal some have got verbal delay some of autism, some of ADHD, and it's just kind of trying to unpick what is the what is the, the support that they need and, and what is the what is the potential that they haven't had with unlocking, and it is very very nuanced because there isn't a whole lot of support for schools within this, and it is very much down to the leaders to. To take it upon themselves to then you know drive these things forward so yes you're absolutely right it is spinning plates and it is jumping from one thing to another but i think overall if there could be a little bit more focus on not the end of year six results but actually the transition and you know what is happening day to day week to week how is progress measured you know i think it's great having tables and stuff, but you can cut data in a way to, to make it look how you want it to. It's all about context. So for me, I think it's really important that the understanding of what we're trying to achieve and not just a conveyor belt of children who finish year six at this level and, you know, with, with testing them in um, reception and in year one and in year two. It has to be something about what is the ultimate end goal in this and how we work into people's children's strengths to set them up to succeed rather than fail and I think that's sometimes what inherently systems do they inherently fail people and by the time you come to address it, it could be too late so um, I think it does need um, more structure more thought but it's something which as you said this is a good time to talk about it but it's how much of a priority will it be mm. in the in the whole theme of things because we are all going to be looking at going backwards. Everybody will be, and we'll have to be recovering ground for the next two years at least, if not more. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the, the, the recovery of, of this, the recovery of this is like going to be, going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Through, for, for, for any, any sector, any profession is, is going to be, going to be interesting. I, I feel like, I remember when this first kind of, started back in March and then the schools closed I really I really felt for the last year's year six the year six that were going from primary school to secondary school that that jumped yeah. from I, I remember going to secondary school um, in the Middle East and my my older brother was there so I had that as a 
as a, as a safety net, if you like, but I was petrified going to, and I was quite a confident, confident kid, but I was petrified of going to school because, because of the learning probably most of it, but it was it's such a, you know, going from a little primary school to a massive great big secondary school on a, on a school bus with people you didn't really know. It was, it was daunting. So I remember saying to my, my wife, and I think when we were talking to our school, at the time I was like, do you know what? If they said to us as parents, what are your thoughts? I would be like, look, I'd love my child to be at school, but get year six in because those pupils really, in my opinion, need that time to talk about going to, to, to secondary school because it's such a such a big jump. Um, I think from we've got some uh, friends who've got children who made that transition. I think they've just taken it in their stride. A lot of the, a lot of the kids, and just another example that children are so resilient at times, aren't they? Um, but I mean, like, on kind of different. That's a tricky one to tricky one to kind of to probably answer. Um, but do you, is there kind of is there specific years that you think kind of are going to be affected more than others after this, or is it just all in different ways? Is it is there really a, an answer to that? I think while you were talking, it just put, it popped something in my head. Um, you know, we went through a global economy meltdown in two thousand and eight. Then yeah. um, the whole world was on its on its knees, and it was reforming. I guess this is really the same for education. Um, the pandemic has really caused a recession for education. And um, it's something that needs to be addressed because every child in every year group will be affected. Um, I've got a, um, a child in year six currently and a child in year 10. And the, the effects on missing learning from last year and this year and the Possibility, well, definitely for my my daughter in year six, she will leave um, key stage two without really having finished the syllabus, curriculum, whatever that was supposed to be done. And then she won't also get, she might not get the opportunity to have that end of, that end of primary school experience as well. You know, like you talked about, you know, the whole anticipation of where they're going, having the end of year performance, from whatever it is, a lot has been taken away from their from their life experiences, and then for my year ten child, I think he's got to do his exams next year, and he's now missed learning in year nine and in year ten. So how is that going to then be taken into consideration for year eleven? So I think it's across the board. I really do. I think even children in nursery have had an impact in, in reception. They missed that formal sort of play and that socialization and every every year group's been impacted so it is difficult to answer because you can't have a one uh, one size fits all approach but something needs to be done where it's as i said a stop a recalibrate and then a redirection of resources and maybe some kind of um not stop gap but some sort of provision where is then built up again so everyone has the same opportunity. I mean, they did give us capital funding at the beginning of the year to employ, um, whether it was the National Tutoring Programme or teachers or TAs to come and do that catch up and inter, inter, intervene, if you like. But, I mean, you know, 
that started and it's not really been able to grow its legs because we're back in this situation now as well. So it is, it is a very difficult proposition, but if you think about it, it's global. It's not just in the UK, it's all over the world. Um, something could be some, some, some kind of collaboration, some kind of process where everybody can kind of have a look at where they are and compared to the context, put together some kind of joined up um, process where we could say, so we anticipate this impact for the, for the next five years or six years, and then the plan is put in place to then support that for the next six years. Something along those lines. It's, as you said, it's a very difficult question to answer. Yeah. And um, I've probably given it a very simplified solution. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's, there's so much like areas, like depending on your kind of pupils, and there's so much to kind of, so much. And, and while you were talking there, I got reminded of a conversation I had with, I can't remember if it was someone through work or at my son's school that yes that year six age was a real concern of going to secondary but foundation is called foundation for a reason because it's laying the foundations of their of their education so like my son was in uh, reception foundation last year so missed a lot of that and gone into key stage mm. into year one and missed a lot so actually you know it's almost like if you're building a house you need the foundations to be to be spot on don't you otherwise it, it'll it'll crumble or subside or whatever it whatever it might do so yeah i think across the board it's it's obviously gonna gonna need need some serious repair i think like the the work the work that the sectors you know i could just say the schools that i work with but the work that all schools all schools are doing is just just immense you know if i think about some of our our special schools you know they've they've still got pretty much the same number of pupils in as they that they had and they you know people in mainstream get frustrated by people saying schools are closed you know you know some of the special schools literally they've, they've got the same number of pupils and i just the, the the fragility of of some of the people that work in those settings is is something but i want to finish on something that i could carry on talking for three hours to be honest but i want to finish on something a word you talked about there and I think it's a massive plus from the last eight months. Like collaboration, you mentioned it in one of your things you're talking about. Something that's really, I think, positive to come through through COVID is so many more people are open to to talking, to understanding what someone else is doing. Do you, do you notice that within, as a head teacher, have you noticed that within the education sector that more schools are, you know, academies are, up to really help that aren't they but are you are you noticing more schools and senior leaders are becoming more open to working together and kind of sharing ideas and experiences yeah uh absolutely i mean i've i've had the benefit of working for both and um working for academies and maths there is very much that kind of corporate joined up thinking approach um what i've enjoyed um in my current role is being able to look outwardly and have support from local schools and clusters, even the local authorities have been really, really good in, you know, organising emergency briefings and just all the variety of things that there are there. I think that tends to be quite operational, though. I think on the strategy side of things, um, a year one child in Manchester or Scotland or Wales or 
Brighton is still a year one child and the curriculum to all intents and purposes will be the same. I just think it would have just it would have been an opportunity to just get everyone around the table to make some decisions to just allow for some consistency to then have some idea that there was support there for everybody. And that's really in terms of um, on an operational level so that teachers are not stressed, children are children are well prepared and resourced. We're not duplicating, we're not all sort of trying to reinvent the wheel. We're all pretty much doing the same thing, applied in our context and individualized to whatever the needs are in that context. So I think there has been a lot of collaboration. I have been quite reticent to engaging things like this previously. I do read a lot. Um, I, I am on um, social media, but I tend to be more of an observer. Um, but I think in the last year, with everything that's happened, you just feel you want to do more. And how can you do more? And what impact can you have? And how can you reach somebody? And, you know, whether it's colleagues or whether it's your own staff or talking to someone like yourself, it, it really is just trying to get the message out there that, you know, we're all here to help. We're all here for the same benefit, for the same purpose. And how can we support each other? Because now, even more than any time before, it is just a, this is a humanitarian crisis, mm. and it's one that's affecting everybody on one level or another, but more so our children. So, you know, I, it's something that I think naturally we are seeing the fragilities of our own um, our own weaknesses, but equally we're also seeing our strengths come to the fore as well. So it has been positive. Um, I've done this is my second podcast. I'm not by any means um, a, uh, an authority on anything, but I can talk about my context, what I'm trying to do. And just, yeah, we're just all trying to make um, make it a little bit better day by day. And if everyone can do that and just support each other, and I think, you know, we will come out of this quicker than we expect. I, I agree. And like, like you said, um, a year ago, if somebody said I would have created a, a podcast to talk to people who worked in the sector, had been through the sector, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> but I, but I, 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 I say every time I speak to someone, it has been one of the most powerful learning, learning experiences for me personally. Um, so if, if I, I, my, my view is if I work in the sector and support it, I'm learning from it, then hopefully people who listen, you know, whether you're in the sector or out the sector, you know, hopefully someone takes a little bit of learning away, but I just, I'm absolutely embracing the fact that someone like yourself, a teacher wants to come and have a chat with myself, essentially someone who owns a recruitment agency, but I'm trying to kind of create something, just something positive. It's more than as, that. As, yeah, as, as, you know, um, I, I, I really want to, I really want to, I, I think the, the sector, this is such a, it's such a testing time, but if I, if I can like, and I'm sure hopefully you back me up on this, if anyone who's thinking about getting into a sector that is rewarding, a sector that will make you feel like you're making a difference, like, I don't think there's anything like education, is there? And I, I haven't worked as a teacher, so... I'm just talking from experience of talking yeah. to a lot of people. I just think like it's, it's, it just, 
I really want the sector to get the praise that it that it deserves. And I think the more people like yourself who, whether it's this podcast or or any social media platform, sharing your views and sharing, I think it's great. And I'm really I'm massively embracing that whole kind of collaboration stuff that's coming off the back of a real negative situation and kind of on the back of that I'd just like to thank you for thank you for coming on it's been a been a pleasure talking to you um now we seem to have come towards the end of it I think the 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 internet seems to probably been the best that it's best that it's been so anyone who's listening apologies (laughs) if there's any little kind of hiccups along the way but absolute pleasure talking to you I seem to be um getting a kind of growing list of once once covid allows i'd love to come and have a have a cup of coffee and yeah just just kind of meet meet you in person really but i wish you all the best to all you and your team like obviously i'm sure you're doing you're doing a fantastic job and thank you for doing your bit to make sure the pupils carry on getting an education no thanks david really appreciate it and uh you know what you're doing is just as important it is very um refreshing to see that you know everyone's trying to contribute in their own ways and we all just want to pay it forward and make it self-perpetuate so thank you for having me on and uh yeah look forward to catching up with that coffee good man thank you